Island Church welcomes you to the 2018 Fall Harvest Series. We pray that you are encouraged by all of the different ministers and that the Word of God touches you and blesses you. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. I want to talk to you tonight for a little while about supernatural positioning. Now, that may be a strange, kind of a strange title to what I want to share with you, but I want you to hear me tonight because I believe the Lord wants to do some things in your life that are going to put you at the right place at the right time for exactly what God has for your life. But you've got to understand some things about supernatural position and making sure that you're there by the Holy Spirit in the right place at the right time. God will supernaturally position you to receive blessing in your life. He'll supernaturally position you to bring blessing to other people's lives. And he will supernaturally, now listen to me, he will supernaturally position you so that the enemy will be defeated. We think sometimes that the devil can be defeated anywhere, anytime, but the word says different. It says that you've got to be where you need to be in the right position at the right time for the enemy to be defeated. And I want to tell you, I believe God's about to do some things in our lives. It is no accident that you're here tonight. No question in my mind you're here on purpose. And because of that, you're putting yourself in a place to be positioned for God to do something in your life. If you just would listen to this, it's so simple. If you would just be here every night, put yourself in a position to receive every night that you're here, you would be amazed at what can happen in four days in your life. I'm just telling you, you'd be amazed at what could happen. This could change, this could change so much in your life. Now, I'm not making promises to you because you've got to be the one to put yourself in the position to receive. But there is supernatural positioning, and when you're where you're supposed to be, God can do powerful things, and the negative is also true. If you're not where you should be, then you open yourself up to undue pressure from the enemy and from the world. And a lot of it is just plain everyday choice. Choice. What do you choose to do? In the Bible, there's a, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there is an account here of the children of God, children of Judah. They are, they are attacked by three armies, way bigger than they are, more powerful than they are, and Jehoshaphat knows it. He knows what's about to happen, and he goes to the Lord and says, Lord, I don't get it. Now, I'm paraphrasing. I know he didn't say it this way, but this is the way I would have said Lord, I don't get it. These are the very nations that you told us to leave alone when we came into the promised land, and now they're the very ones trying to destroy us. They're bigger than us. They're greater than us. 
We don't have the power. We don't have the capacity to do what's needed to accomplish this. And here's what the Lord said. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah's great-grandson. And listen to what he said in verse 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now listen to me. That was not an encouraging word. If you're the one that's got to be on the front line. So the very first thing that happens is Jehoshaphat says, I'm going to put the praisers out there first. And they did exactly what the Lord said. They went out and positioned themselves like they were going to have to fight. Like they were going to have to go to battle. God never intended for them to fight. All he wanted them to do was to be ready to fight. And it says that he told them, just go position yourself. The battle is the Lord's, but you have to be in the right position. If you're in the right position, in the right place, God can work. See, we want to do everything long distance. Well, the Lord knows where I am. Well, you know, the Lord knows the situation. That doesn't mean anything. He knows everything. But that doesn't mean anything's going to happen if you're not in the right position. If you're not in the right place at the right time. Well, he can work anywhere, anytime. Well, you just keep saying that and you'll find out that's not true. Because I've seen it too many times. You have to be in the right place at the right time to see God work in your life. And he will do supernatural things for you. He will bring deliverance to you. He will bring salvation to you and all that it encompasses. So they did not have to fight, but they had to be in the right place, in the right position. So they could see the deliverance of the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that encouraging? Now I'm going to give you a a a Hebrew definition of this word position, okay? So you won't ever forget this. It means to be put in a certain place. How hard is that? <laughs> That's not deep, is it? To be put in a certain place. The act of placing or arranging. Do you know that God knows how to arrange things? And sometimes we are so blinded to it that we refuse his arrangements. Because we want it our way, or we want to figure it out, or we want to understand it. And we want it, well, now, Lord, you know, if you're going to do this, now here's what you have to do to do this. Oh, yeah, you're going to tell God how he has to do it. Well, it ain't going to work that way. In fact, what the world thinks that is out of position, God thinks is perfect position. 
The world, oh, no, no, you can't do that. Well, no, that's impossible. There's no way you can do that. You're out of position. You're, you're not in the place that you need to be. You're at the wrong place at the wrong time. You know what? I'm in, that means I'm in a good spot. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, 27, God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I love to watch God make the world scratch their head. How did they do that? How did that happen? There's no, they were out of position. They weren't in the right place. There's no way that this should work. There's no way it ought to work in their lives. And yet God takes that wrong place, wrong time, and makes it the place on time. I experienced this a number of years ago. We put a television station on the air. I mean, we, uh, a number of years ago, I just really felt like the Lord wanted to do this. And, and, and really, my, what I wanted and what he wanted were totally different, but it's okay. God still blessed it. But the point is, man, I, I mean, we were believing God for this construction permit for this television station and standing by faith and fighting off the devil and fighting off of every challenger that tried to take it away from us. And one day we got that construction permit. Now, the bank that we did business with promised me that they would loan me the money to build that station when I got that construction permit. The bank president looked me in the eye and said, we'll do it, the local bank president. So the time came, and guess what? I'm knocking on their door. And he started backing up. Well, I don't know. Well, I'm not sure. Well, we're going to have to look at your financials again, all, all this stuff. And finally, one day, they called me into a board meeting in a, at, at the bank. Now, this was part of a larger bank banking system, okay? So when I go in there, this table that's probably about as long as this building seemed like it at the time anyway, and, and I was sitting at one end, and there were people all down the sides and somebody sitting at the other end, and then there was a big old speaker sitting out there. And so they had the president of all the banks on, the, on that speakerphone. A bunch of cowards. <laughs> one little old guy, and they've got to have, they have to have all these people in there. And so here's what they said. Reverend, we have decided not to loan you the money for that television station. In fact, we don't believe that you should even have a television station based on your financial records. Should not have said that. Not good. I'm telling you, I was angry. I was mad. You can be wholly mad. You know, did you know that? Yeah, I was wholly mad all the way mad. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, I got up, I slid my, I had an attorney with me and he kept drag, reaching down, pulling my pants leg, trying to keep me seated. And I, and I stood up and I slid that chair back and I said, let me tell you something. I said, um, we're going to build that television station with you or without you. And then I said something that I had to repent of. I said, if you don't loan us that money, I'm going to have a 1,000 people on your doorstep Monday morning telling everybody in town what you did. I was that mad. 
Then I realized, nah, I better not get my people involved in this. They liable to hurt somebody. So I said, I said, we'll build the station without you. And I just walked out. And they're just sitting there. I just walked out. I said, I don't need your money. I said, I've got three other banks that loan me money for my buildings. I don't need you. I didn't have a person, but, but I left anyway. So, <laughs> but see, here's the thing. They thought I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. They thought that my position was not right, that I wasn't in the right place. And they looked at my finances and they looked at my accounting and they said, well, how's he going to pay for this? And how's he going to do this? How's he going to pay this note back? And, and all of a sudden, they thought I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. To be honest with you, I am glad that they didn't loan me that money. It would have been too easy. But God, and I could, I could take plenty of time here tonight and take God supernaturally provided for that TV station. Supernaturally. I mean, super, I mean it, was, it was amazing. We had to have $125,000 for the transmitter, and uh, I had already given them a deposit uh, of, I think, $50,000, and we had to have it like the next day. And I'm on the phone talking to the transmitter people, and I'm already 30 days late. And they're saying, now, listen, if you don't have this by tomorrow, we've got somebody else who wants this transmitter. And we're going to sell it, and you're going to lose your $50,000 deposit. I, I went in my office. I sat in my desk, and I leaned back, and I just threw my hands up and said, Lord, I, I can't. there's nothing else I can do. I, 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 nothing else I can do. Absolutely nothing. I've done everything I know to do. It's in your hands. Ten minutes later, the guy that, that, that worked for me to help to put the TV station on the air said, Pastor, there's a man, and I knew it was a businessman who'd gotten saved in our church. He was a, he was a, a, a notorious sinner. You know, there's some people that are sinners, and there are others that are just, they're notorious. You know, everybody knows. And everybody knew this guy he was a businessman. In fact, they, his whole family started coming to church because they were afraid he was going to give us all his money. They were terrified. They didn't want to get saved. They just didn't want him to give all his money to us. So he said, well, he, wanted to tell, he wants to talk to me. And I said, well, go, go see what he wants. Be honest with you, I wasn't even thinking about it, you know, because he hadn't really ever given any money and hadn't really thought about it at all. Him give, I just wanted to go see what he wanted to do. About an hour later, this uh, guy that worked for me came back holding an envelope in his hand. And he said, um, uh, Pastor, he sent this to you. And I opened it. It was $125,000. He had no idea how much we needed, $125,000. Just to show you how notorious he was, he had sold a hotel that he rented the rooms by the hour. Do I need to go further? Okay. And that was the tithe off of it. So God supernaturally worked. He moved, he moved way beyond. Being in that position was greater than the bank loaning me the money. 
I was in the right position at the right time, and God supernaturally worked even though they thought I was out of position. Now listen to me a minute. God can put you in the right place at the right time, but you can never judge it by your circumstances. Oh, this couldn't be right because it's bad. This couldn't be right because it just looks wrong. It sounds wrong. That doesn't mean it's wrong. Paul, the apostle, was about to take his next step in ministry. And he was seeking God about where to go next. He wanted to go to Asia. And the Bible says, the Holy Spirit said, no. He wanted to go to Phrygia. The Holy Spirit said, no. He wanted to go. He, he couldn't get an answer. Yes, everything was no. Then he lays his head down to go to sleep that night, and he has a vision or a dream, and he sees this man from Macedonia saying, come over and help. Come help me. Well, he figured that was God. How many of you believe that was God? Well, he did too because he packed up and left. And so he goes into that region and goes into one of the cities there, uh, Philippi, and he's there and he finds some women at the river washing clothes and he preaches to them. They get saved. One of them, Lydia, invites him to his house and, man, things are going great and he's looking for this man and can't find him anywhere and looking for him and doesn't know where he is. And then they're going to prayer at the temple and when they're going, this demon-possessed woman starts harassing them. Paul casts the devil out of her and all hell breaks loose. See, sometimes you think just because all hell's breaking loose that you're not in the right place at the right time, and that's not true at all. Yeah. It may be you're in the very spot you need to be yeah. to do what God wants you to do. Yeah. And it may not even be what you think. Yeah. Now, you can imagine, Paul, Lord, I came here because you told me in a dream that there's somebody needing help, and I'm the one now that needs help because they beat him and beat Silas and threw him in prison. Didn't seem to faze him a bit. Bible says at midnight, they were worshiping God. They were praising God. And, in fact, it says that everybody there heard them. Everybody heard them. See, most of you'd be going, I don't understand. I thought God was doing something. I had this dream, and it was just perfect. And now, God, what are you doing with me? Positioning you. Now, let me give you a disclaimer right now, okay? Okay. You can't go rob a bank and get put in jail and think God positioned you. Just so you'll know. Although, I know people who have done amazing things in prison. I've got a cousin that's been in prison since he was 18 years old, off and on. He's in there forever. He won't ever get out unless God does a miracle. But you know what? While he was in there, he got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, loves the Lord, and lives for God every day. He couldn't do that on the outside, but he's doing it now. Okay. All right, let me move on. Okay, so listen. So here you got this. So Paul and Silas, they're making the best of what they got. They're worshiping God. They're praising God. Well, you know what happened. The earth shook. 
All the chains fell off. All the gates opened. The jailer comes in about to kill himself because every, he, he was convinced everybody was gone. And he was about to kill himself. And Paul said, don't, we're all here. Isn't that amazing that all those prisoners stayed? Now listen, so the jailer holds that light up to his face, looking in, and Paul said, I've seen you before. I saw you in a dream, and I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And the man said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul ministered to him and to his family. They all got saved. They all got baptized because he was in the right place at the right time. You've got to be careful what you think the right place and the right time is because sometimes it's not what you think it is. And sometimes it's just the time to praise God and know that he is fighting a battle for you. Let me tell you the coolest thing about that, and I love Paul's spirit. The jailer comes to him says, after all this, you know, and he said, well, they said you could go. Paul said, I ain't leaving. No, you're free. You can go. I'm not leaving until they apologize. Go read it. I'm not leaving till they apologize. Because he was a Roman citizen. And they had to come apologize to him before he left the prison. Your thoughts about what's the right position may not be God's. And you better get in tune with the Lord and know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm in the right place at the right time to do what God wants me to do and I'm going to see what God wants me to do. And listen to me just a minute. You have to understand time does not mean much with God. I, I wish it meant more because I, I get in a hurry sometimes and Lord, it's time. You've never done that, have you? No. It's time, Lord. I've told this story, I think, here before, but and a lot of you know this, but, but Becky and I, uh, before I got saved, we were separated for 14 months. God got us back together. I was in Detroit, Michigan. Now, I didn't know it, but I had all these people praying for me and didn't, didn't you know, and, I, and didn't know it. And so... We realized, hey, we really did love each other. We got back together, and um, I knew I couldn't stay in Detroit. First of all, I'm a southern boy. I'm from Texas. I, I, I live in Louisiana, but I live as close to Texas as I can, just so you'll know. But, and I, I, wanted to come back, I wanted to come back home. So I went to my boss and said, look, you know, my wife and I are getting back together. We, we're get, having a fresh start, and we'd really like to go back south. And he said, it's funny you mention that. He said, the guy that runs the restaurants in Dallas is from Detroit, and he wants to move back to Detroit. Would you be willing to swap with him? Sure. Pack our bags. We move to Dallas. Now, just hang on a minute. I want to show you something, because sometimes we get confused. God, he don't care if he takes you around the world. 
It ain't going to bother him a lick. Why should it bother you? So we just got there, hadn't been there but a few months, and, and I, we both realized I had to change careers, being in the restaurant business and being in the liquor business and, and, and working at night. And she's working, at, you know, school teaching in the day. It just wasn't working. But she, for the first time in her life, could not get a teaching job in Dallas. In Dallas, Texas, she couldn't find a teaching job. Are you kidding me? But our best friends who just so happened had gotten saved and filled with the Holy Ghost had moved to Houston. And she was a teacher as well. And she told Becky, well, you know, they're hiring over here. And so we decided, now remember, I'm not saved, okay? We decided, look, if you get a job in Houston, then we'll move to Houston. We hadn't been in Dallas six months. Flew over there, first place she interviewed, they hired her. So we went from Detroit to Dallas to Houston. How come we couldn't have just gone from Detroit to Houston? I mean, come on. And while we were in Houston, I got saved. Becky got back in fellowship with the Lord. We got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the Lord moved us to Shreveport. You know, Dallas is a lot closer to Shreveport than Houston. It didn't bother God one bit that he didn't phase him. Oh, I know this is tough on them. They're going to have to move. I'm going to move them to Dallas, then they're going to move to Houston, then they're going to move to Shreveport. Are you kidding me? To get position with God, he'll move you around the world. He'll take you around the world. I had him do that with me one time. I missed a flight. I've probably told this story here before. I don't know. But I missed a flight. And I'd been in Australia preaching for two weeks, and I was ready to come home. I missed the flight. What happened was they canceled the flight. And they said, well, uh, Mr. Carr, uh, we, that flight was canceled. And I said, well, when's the next one? Two days from now. Nope. I'm not waiting no two days. I said, y'all should have called me. This is not right. And I, I let them have it. Nice. I had a smile on my face. But I let them have it. Well, we'll get you on another airline. Okay, good. And then they said, well, the only one we can get you on, you have, to ha you have a layover in Hawaii. Now, you might think it's fun to be in Hawaii, but if you've been gone from your wife for two weeks and you've got a 12-hour layover in Hawaii, it ain't no fun. So I was in Hawaii. I said, well, if I'm going to be in Hawaii, and they, we'll get you a hotel room. I said, good. I want one on the beach. <laughs> they got me one. You ask, you can receive. Amen. So, so I'm there. So, you know, I, I get on the plane, and then I have to fly to L.A. So I fly into L.A. And I'm sitting on the airplane ready to leave. I'm going, flying to Dallas. And, and this is about a 32 or three hour flight by the time all this is over. And I'm sitting, I'm tired, I'm ready to be home. They upgraded me to first class and I'm sitting there and I'm reading my Bible because it's daylight in Australia and it's night, midnight in LA and I'm, I'm reading my Bible and, and I look up and all of a sudden these rockers get on the, on the plane <laughs> Long hair, leather jackets, cursing, drinking, 
And I'm sitting there reading my Bible. And then they see me reading my Bible. <laughs> hey, we're up here with a preacher. We'll be okay. We'll make it to the house. <laughs> they had just been on the Jay Leno show. And they were going back to Austin. So we get on this flight, and the guy has to get in. And one of them gets in and sits down next to me, and I'm reading my Bible. And, and um, really, to be honest with you, I'm really just aggravated. <laughs> and, and so we take off, and, and the guy keeps looking over at me, reading my I see him looking over, reading my Bible, looking, looking, you know, and they'd already mocked him because he had to sit next to the preacher, you know, this guy. And, had an, and so we're on the plane. We take off, and he keeps looking over there, and he finally said, you preacher. I said, yeah, I pastor a church. I've been in Australia preaching. And he reached down in a knapsack and pulled out a Bible about that thick, big old hardback Bible about that thick. And he said, I've been trying to read this and understand it, and I don't know, I don't understand it. Can you help me? Oh, my Are you kidding me? I took him from Genesis to Revelations to Dallas and prayed for him before we landed. He was, his, his, he was a bass player, and he was the bass player for Stevie Ray Vaughan. I don't know whether you've ever heard of him. How many of you have heard of Stevie Ray Vaughan? You're all going to hell, every one of you. Roland was the first one to raise his hand. That's what I was going to tell him. So here's the deal, okay? This guy was his bass player. And he said, and he told me the story. He said, my best friend, Stevie Ray Vaughan, we went through uh, drug treatment and alcohol treatment over and over again. And he said, and he was in a helicopter crash. You know, his mother was a Pentecostal lady. Yeah. And, 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 and he was killed. And, and they found a Bible in his pocket. And in the front of it, it had written, I now know my destiny is with God. And he said, I have been seeking God to find what he found. And you showed me what he found. Now, now stop a minute think about it. Is that not supernatural positioning? All of a sudden, the fact that I had been flying for 32 hours meant nothing absolutely nothing because God gave me the privilege of being able to bless that man and to minister to that man. The name of their band was Archangel. I went and bought one of their CDs. It was bad. I mean, maybe when I used to be on drugs, it was good, but it was bad. But the point is, there are supernatural connections for you, places where God can put you, positions he can put you where not only can you be blessed, but you can be a blessing to others and the enemy can be defeated if you are willing to allow God to work in your life. Everybody, you know, if you know the Bible at all, you know about Joseph. Joseph had a dream. He had a big dream. I mean, a big dream. He was going to be the man. The problem was he shouldn't have told his brothers. 
God gave him a dream. The next thing you know, guess what? He's in a pit. His brothers decided, well, we're not going to kill him. Let's make some money off of him. So they sold him. Next thing you know, he goes from the pit to Potiphar's house. God even blesses him there until Potiphar's wife hits up on him. Next thing you know, he goes from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison. Boy, what a trail. What a trail. But right there in prison, God used his gift. What was his gift? He could interpret dreams. You know you've got a gift. I don't know what your gift is, but you've got a gift. And God will use that gift to bless other people and to bring his grace into your life. You're not going to be blessed according to somebody else's grace. You're going to be blessed according to what your grace is. You stay in your lane. So the next thing you know, he's interpreted these dreams. Guess what? Now he went from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison to the palace. Listen to this. I'm going to read this out of the message translation, but listen to this. In Genesis 45, 13, it says, Tell my father all about the high position I hold in Egypt. Did you get that? I have been given a position. And even though Pharaoh thought he was the one who did it, God gave him the position. God put him in that position. Then he goes on when his brother's uh, come back and, and they, they, they beg him to forgive him. Listen to what it says. The New Living Translation, Genesis 50, 20. Listen. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Then you know the pit was worth it. Then you know the temptation of Potiphar's house was worth it. Then you know the prison was worth it because God gave him a position where he could save many people. You have to know that there are things that God has for you. But I want to tell you something. Listen to me. So many times we as Christians get in ruts. We want to do what we're doing, and we want God to bless our rut. He won't bless me where I am when the whole time the Lord said, I'm trying to put you in position where you can do something, but you've got to be willing to change. You've got to be willing to move forward. You can't always be doing the same old, same old, and nothing's happening, and I'm trying to move you into another place to put you in a different position so that you can receive what I have for you. Well, I really had the dream to go to college, but I just don't have the money. Well, did you go to college? No. Then go to college. But I don't have the money. No, no, you're missing it. Go to college. If all you can do is pay the administration fee, pay it and go to college. 
God will position you. He will put you where you need to be to do what you need to do. But it's not going to happen unless you make up your mind, you're going to let God do it for you. Listen to me. This is, this is really, to me, it just blows my mind. Even Jesus had to be in the right position to do what he needed to do. Let, let me read you this scripture. You'll get this. Philippians 2.7, the New Living Translation. Listen. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born a human being when he appeared in human form. Jesus, I need you to go deliver my people. Oh, good, Father. I'll go down there. I'll butt heads. I mean, I'll... I got the angels. I can handle this. No, no, son. The only one way this can happen, you have to be like them. I have to put you in a position of vulnerability, a, a position of divine vulnerability. You're going to have to walk like they walk. You're going to have to live like they live. You're going to have to eat what they eat, and you're going to have to depend on me the way they should depend on me and let my Holy Spirit lead you to one place, to the cross. Jesus at any time could have called, the Bible says, 10,000 angels and delivered him and it would have been over for all of us. We wouldn't be sitting here today. But Jesus stayed in the position that he needed to have in order for you to have life. I want to tell you something. I can't fathom the magnitude of that. I don't think even when we get to heaven, it'll be thousands of years before we even get a glimpse of understanding the magnitude of what Jesus really did for our lives and for us. Now, there are some things you're going to have to do to position yourself. Okay, listen to me. There are things you have to do to position yourself. This doesn't just happen while you are got your feet propped up watching, watching TV or watching the sunset. Or You have to position yourself. And I, I, th this, this is not all of it, and, and, and it's not like a list. Okay, I'm going to check this off my list. You just have to know that these things have to be part of your life, all right? Listen to me. The first thing you're going to have to do is understand Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against principalities and powers. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly place. Therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all, stand. Do you understand that's all you have to do? You put on the armor of God and you stand and see the salvation of God. But if you don't have on the whole armor of God, you're not going to make it. I don't have time to get into that, but you, you're not going to make it. Here's what else you're going to have to do. 
you're going to have to know the will of God for your life. You know, I learned something from one of my mentors, Dr. Lester Sumrall. The will of God's not hard. In fact, you're in the will of God unless you're directly being disobedient to what God's telling you to do. I would not want to be in that place. I've had people almost braggingly say, well, I know what the Lord told me to do, but I am not going to do it. Let me step back a little bit. Let me just give a little space between us. The Bible is so clear that we have to know the will of God. You'll never be in the position for God to use you if you're not in the will of God and walking in God's will for your life. Many people start out in the will of God, then they get caught up in the flesh, caught up in their own life, caught up in what they're doing, and they just kind of drift away from the will of God. And the whole time, God's calling them back, calling them back, come back, come back, come back, come back. 1 John 2 verse 17 says, The world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. He who does the will of God abides forever. Paul was so sensitive about the will of God so he could be in the right position. Everything he did, listen to this, Romans 1 verse 10. Paul said, I'm making requests, I'm praying that by some means, now at the last, I may find a way, now listen to this, in the will of God to come to you. Find a way, but I can't just come because I found a way. It's got to be the will of God. Lord, I really want to go, and I'm seeking you. How can I make this happen? But I want it to be in your will. I don't want to do it because I want to do it. I want you to help me do this. I wish I had time to tell you how Paul ended up getting there. Yeah, Yeah, it wasn't fun. Okay. Now, listen, here's something else that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to pray. Prayer has got to be a part of your life. Because let me tell you what will happen. Okay, now this is not all that prayer does. But prayer prepares you for the significance of seasons of your life. If you're not praying... You can be in the middle of a season that God wants to do something and never recognize it. Never know it. You'll just blindly walk through it because you're not praying and allowing God to show you the significance of where you are. And I'll tell you right now, every Christian on the face of the earth has had that happen to them. I can look back on my life and there are places I missed it. I didn't really grab hold of the significance of that moment or that time or that connection, what God really wanted to do. So don't get under condemnation about it. We all have done that. But the thing about it is when you pray, you put yourself in a place to understand. Okay, Lord, I got it. Something else. Sowing can put you in a position listen to me, can put you in a position to receive from God. You can position yourself by the seed you sow. And I'm not talking just about money. I'm talking about the words of your mouth. 
you're wondering why certain things are happening in your life, go play a recording of your what you've said for the last month. But I want to, I'm going to tell you, one of the reasons I'm convinced that more of the body of Christ is not blessed is because they're not sowing. They're not sowing. Not, not sowing their money, not sowing their time, and they're wondering why, why they're not blessed. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says this, Cast your bread on the water, and in many days, didn't say right away, in many days, You'll find it. Now, just so you understand, you've got to understand what, what, what that means. You've probably already heard this. I'm sure your pastor's already told you. But, but that doesn't mean you take a soggy loaf of bread, you throw it in the water, and it gets soggy and floats downstream, and you find it one day. Oh, yum, bread that's been in the water for six months. I didn't understand this till I actually went to Israel and understood the dynamic of the Jordan River in the life of the early Israelis when they first uh, children of Israel when they first came. The river at certain seasons would flood in certain parts out into the plains. And what what Ecclesiastes is saying here is that you take your seed and you throw it on the water upriver, and the, the, the people were, were nomadic in those days. They moved around, and so they would throw their seed on the water, and then a month or two later, the floods came, the waters spread out into the deltas, and the seeds stayed, and the waters receded, and there was a crop. And so when they came downstream, they had a crop. And all they had to do to get it was to cast their bread, their seed, on the water. Listen to me tonight. You, you should, I'm not saying this is wrong, you should invest, you should have retirement. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to tell you what I want to live on in my life. I want to live on the seed that I've cast on the water. And as I go forward in life, I want to find those crops that I've sown. Those finances that I've sown, that our church has sown. A lot of people, we had a lady the other day give $50,000 to missions. She is a nurse at the VA. She wears the same thing to church every time she comes. You would never think in a million years she had a penny to her name. I, I almost wanted to try to talk her out of giving it because I thought she needed it. She looked like she needed it. But the Lord wouldn't let me do that. I actually have done that before and made people take their money back because they gave it for the wrong motive. But, but the point is, listen to me. You cast your seed on the water and it, you never know how it's going to going to come back you never know we we sow to missions in our church all the time millions of dollars to missions over the years millions i don't even know how how much over 40 years we, we've given to missions and and now 
Somebody will give us $50,000 for missions. We had a lady pass away in our church. She gave the church in her will $750,000 for missions. Number one, it blessed me because she trusted me with it. She knew I'd do that with it. But, but the point is, why did that come to, why did somebody, why were they, in a sense, compelled to do that? Because we were in position. We'd put ourselves in position by our giving to be able to receive that in our lives. You can live a, a, a life way beyond what you're doing now if you would understand the power of position of sowing. It would blow your mind. Well, I give and you receive. But the point is, what are you giving? How are you giving? That's, that's the point. And I don't want to spend, I'm just about finished, but I don't want to spend all the time on that. But you need to understand that you can position yourself in your future by what you sow today. We've already taken up the offering, so I'm not trying to talk into something. I, I'm, a, I'm living proof of it. Isaiah says that a generous man will find ways to be generous. I love to be generous because I know I'm just casting seed on the water. Just casting seed on the water. All right, I have a couple more here real quick. I know this is more of a teaching night, but, but you need this. Okay, listen. You have to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, sometimes God will just drag you through the airports like he did me with that guy, you know. I had no, I had no, until he reached down and pulled that Bible out, I wanted to be in, I want to go sit in the back of the plane. I'm just, but that's not how we live every day. If you're a child of God, you are supposed to live being led by the Holy Spirit. And if you are led by the Holy Spirit, He can put you in position to bless your life, to bless others, and to be protected against the enemy in your life. He'll put you in the position. Let me just give you a, a clear illustration of this that will help you. A number of years ago, we had a, a, a man in our church, he was actually on staff, who got into sin. And... Uh, and it was with another woman. His wife was distraught. She couldn't find him. Nobody knew where he was. He just totally distraught over it. And, you know, he worked for me, and I couldn't, I couldn't reach him. And so I'm praying, and I'm not praying about that. I'm just praying one day, and the Lord said, get in your car. I knew it was the Lord, so I got in my car. And he told me where to go. He said, I want you to go over on Lakeshore. And I, so I drove over on lecture, and he said, turn here. I mean, just as clear as a bell. It's just like I'm listening, you know, to Google Maps or something. I mean, <laughs> turn by turn. Yeah. I turned, and the road I turned on was a, was a loop, and it came back out on the road. So I turned, and I drove down that loop. Still, I, I wasn't even, didn't even know why. And I pull up to the stop sign, and I look to my left, and here comes that guy walking across the street. 
And when I rolled down my window and he saw who it was, he broke and began to weep. He was hiding because he was ashamed. That's a pretty good position, isn't it? God can put you in those kind of positions in your life. Maybe not, not as dramatic as that, but you can be on aisle one at Walmart and the Lord's tell you go over to aisle five. Lord, I'm, I'll get there. I'm, I'm working my way that way. No, go now. And a lot of times the Lord won't tell you twice, so you, you better do it the first time. Okay. So you go to aisle five and there's somebody there and they're standing there and they're weeping. Maybe they can't afford to buy what they need to buy. Maybe they've had trouble in their life. And God sends you right there just to pray for them, just to touch their life. Maybe buy them some groceries, whatever it may be. God will put you in position if you will allow him to. And if you'll let him, if you can be, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. All right, got two more real quick. The next one is obedience. I, I am amazed at how many Christians are disobedient. And they think it's no big deal to be disobedient. Abraham would have never, ever been the father of our faith if he had not been obedient to leave his family and his country. And, and I'm not, that's not a word for you, by the way, to leave your family. Okay, just so you'll know. I might, I have to. Oh, the Lord gave me a word tonight. No, he didn't. But Abraham had to do that in order for God to put him in position. And there are things that if you're not obedient to, that you will never be in the position that God wants you to be. Doesn't mean you won't go to heaven, but I promise you he'll talk to you about it when you get there. I have a scripture for that, but I'm not going to get into that. Last one, faithfulness. Let me tell you what I found out. I learned this from my pastor, John Osteen, that you saw tonight. If you'll be faithful, God will lead you where you need to be. Listen, faithfulness will lead you to your divine destiny. Unfaithfulness will retard everything you do. I see people going from church to church, here, there, and y'all, never getting plugged in, wanting this, then this, then it, going everywhere, and they're not faithful to anything. Well, I'm faithful to the Lord. No, you're not. If you're not in a church, you're not faithful to the Lord. That's right. That's true. If you're not connected to a local church, you're not faithful to the Lord. Don't kid yourself. You're a part of the body of Christ. You have to be connected. But I found out that if I would be faithful right where I was, and when at that time when I first got saved, being faithful, just me and being at church, paying my tithes, giving the missions, and serving Brother Osteen, driving him where he wanted to go, and doing whatever he asked me to do, just being faithful doing that. And from that faithfulness, God started leading me into other things. I, I'm telling you, just that simple. If you just be faithful to your family, yeah. just be faithful to your church, just be faithful to the things of God, you'd be amazed at where it will position you for God to do something else great in your life. Yes, amen. 
we're not playing games. This is reality. This is Christian living. This is the way we do it. So I want you to be supernaturally positioned. But you have to be the one to make that choice. Maybe the Lord spoke to you tonight. You know what? Mm, I got to get out of this rut. Mm, I know the Lord's been dealing with me about this. I got to do it. Whatever it may be. Now, I'm not saying this for any ulterior motive. It just popped up in my spirit tonight. But a number of years ago, back in the 80s, I was, I was preaching um, for, um, at, for Pastor Ed Dufresne. And um, at that time, he had a building that he had to pay the next day 300 and I forgot how much it was, 350, 325, I can't remember the amount. He had to pay, John, you probably heard this story, but, but he had to pay that money for that building the next day. And it was a Wednesday night and I preached, okay? So after I preached and I ministered to people, um, Brother Ed got up and he started ministering to people and a guy came up to the front and I didn't know him. He came up there, he had on a jogging suit and, and he walked up there and, and um Ed prayed for him, and, and uh, he started walking back to his seat. And I don't know the guy, never met him my whole life. And I said, wait a minute, the Lord's speaking to me. I, I, the Lord told me to tell you something. He said, you have to do what you're supposed to do, and you have to do it now. Okay? Now, this guy was not a member of his church. He threw up his hands and said, okay, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. And what the Lord had been dealing with him about he was an investor, and the Lord had been dealing with him about was paying off that building. And he wrote him a check the next day. I saw the check. I held it in my hand. I wanted some of it. I wanted to, not the check, the money, but I wanted some of that same thing coming to me. And I held that check up, and I said, Lord, you're no respecter of persons. What you've done for him, you'll do for me. And I tell you, he's done it more than once in my life. More than once has God done that in my life because of that. Because of position. Just being in the right place. You could be on either end of that. You, I mean, you thought, oh, that's, that's, that's impossible. Well, it's not when you're in the right place at the right time. Not when you're positioned where you need to be, doing what you're supposed to do, being obedient, being led by the Holy Spirit. Once you get over in that place, oh, my Lord, I'm telling you, it's amazing what God can do in your life. You're not, a, you're not an average Christian. If you're in this church, you're above average. You're already seeking God. You're already pursuing. You're already listening. You're already hungry. And I believe that God wants to position you for the supernatural in your life. If you believe that, stand up with me right now. Lift up your hands and let's just worship the Lord. Come on. Father, we bless you. We worship you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We honor you tonight. Lord, thank you for putting us in the right place at the right time, positioning us, Father. Lord, I pray tonight for every person under the sound of my voice. I pray that the next four days that you bring this revelation to every person with action. Yes. 
that they see their position and you use them, Father, in their position to do something for you. Maybe, Father, just to bless them, to let them know you're in the right place at the right time. Maybe just to tell the devil you have no power over me. Maybe it's just to bless somebody else. Whatever it is, Lord, I thank you. And I praise you that we're positioned for the supernatural. Lord, we're in this place. It's a place of the supernatural. It's a place of the work of God. And Lord, I thank you for working here mightily by your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Oh, we worship you, Father. Come on, take a moment and worship God. We worship you, Father. We glorify you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. We glorify you, Lord. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. You know, people that have the correct information from the Word are a great threat to the kingdom of darkness. A great threat. And those are going to be the people that the enemy is going to resist with his greatest traps, give his greatest effort to try to shut down. Now, I've been in active ministry for 34 years. Been in Brother Randy's church for 30, 33 of those years. Most of these guys I've preached for many times, Pastor Sam included. The greatest phenomenon of what we would classify as the move of God amongst we people, and I'm including all of these churches, missionaries, others, is that people are so easily offended. Churches, I've said this for years, and many of you that I've preached in your churches for years, I've made the statement, if everybody that was supposed to be in the church were in the church, we'd have to have it out in the parking lot, or we'd have to have it in a in a coliseum somewhere, but the enemy knows. Now listen to because the Holy God, I wasn't going to do this. I wasn't going to say this at all. I was got something important I've got to do later, and so I had my mind on that. And the Lord just began to talk to me, and He said, "You need to conclude what Pastor Sam was teaching by saying this: You can be out of position when it comes to hearing. You could hear this message that was preached tonight the wrong way because of offense, because you you got some little something that happened in your life." that's made you unable to hear correctly. Remember what Jesus said, not, but be careful not only what you hear, but how you hear it. And when we have offense, that's why, God, that's why Jesus gave us the love walk, because he knew only the love walk can protect the way people should hear the way I speak to them, because without that love walk, then they're going to get twisted with offense, with, with all kinds of junk, and I'll speak volumes to them, and they won't hear it the right way. They'll hear it the wrong way. So tonight, you have to judge yourself. Because the thing is, each and every one of us have been affected by it. Now let me say this. I never considered this until the Spirit of God began to speak to me this evening, sitting right there. He said, you need to tell people that offense begins with a thought, begins with an action, then a thought. He says, but the, 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 the total 
package of offense comes when offense turns into a feeling, an emotion, something that's tangible. When you can think about something done to you, something said to you, something that's happened to you, and when it's talked about, said, rehearsed, you feel it. You feel it when it's being talked about. You feel it. That affects the way you hear. You cannot hear. When God says, stay in the church, you can't hear that. When God says, just weather that, you can't hear that. I spent 15 years in a church that I should have probably left. If it was offense, I'd have left the second week I was there. I'd have left if offense could have got me out of there. And it's not that offense stopped. It's that I learned how to deal with it. And I learned how to walk in, walk in love toward it. And out of that, you know what it did? It positioned me. It positioned me to find my wife. It positioned me for ministry. It, 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 it positioned me to, to end up going all over the world with a great field ministry for many years because I just refuse. I'm not going to let these offenses get into me and cause me to have an emotional response to something that happened to me. I don't care if it's right, wrong, hurt, cost me, did not make any difference. I'm not going to let it do it. I'm not going to let it happen. I don't care what kind of light it's shown me in. doesn't matter. I'm not going to let this scheme be run upon me. And we are a people, and when I talk about a people, we're talking about a people that are a result of a move of God that have come from men like Brother Osteen and, and the good ones and, and Brother Hagan and Dr. Summerall and all these people that the enemy has run this scheme on for years and years and years. And people have hopped from church to church and place to place, and most of them just end up in some place where it really doesn't even matter anymore because there's really no demand put on you at all. You just... Go there and hear four points a poem or something inspirational and go home. Easy, easy Christianity. Tonight, if you've got a fence in you, you don't have to, you, you know it. I'm not going to give an altar call. I'm not gonna, I don't want to show of hands. I just want us to all pray a prayer. Out loud, say this. Say, Heavenly Father, search my heart. Turn the light of your spirit upon my heart. As the psalmist said, See if there be any wicked way in me. Let me understand, see and know any area of offense in my life. And help me by your word and the blood of Jesus to purge it out of my life. No matter what it takes. So I can return to a position of blessing. I say pride, fear, you will not motivate me any longer. Feelings, you are not my guide. The Holy Spirit is. And tonight, I relinquish myself of all that could cause offense, hurt, and harm in me. And I declare, I will be careful what I hear and how I hear it in Jesus' name. Now lift up your hands and thank God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We worship you, Lord God. We glorify your name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Oh, we worship you, Father. We glorify your name. Now listen, we need to hear what Pastor Sam taught tonight. I mean, no, don't just let it run through your ears and say, oh, I'm telling you, God is attempting to position. Listen, He can position a crowd like this within 12 months to reach tens of thousands of people. 
I mean, just, just like that. He can do it. I said He can do it. He can position us to affect cities, nations, groups of people, all kinds of things God can do if we're just in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. That's the heart of God. And listen, Pastor Sam and I were talking about this back in the in the in the in, in my office. This is 2018. There are crazy things going on. Crazy things going on. I've j- just the past couple of weeks, I was made aware of a of a of a phenomenon, a movement that's going on where there are, quote ministers and prophets talking about if you're in a church, you're worshiping Baal. That's a 501c3 corporation. They've sold out to Baal. That's why we have abortion. That's why we have gay marriage. That's because the church couldn't stand up and make it stand. And now they have gathered thousands of people that go to church on their on their on their uh, smartphones. Thousand. The last, the last smartphone uh, uh, service that he had, he had ten thousand that never go to church anymore, that don't pay their tithes anymore. They didn't hear right. They didn't hear right. They're not hearing right. It's not that God's not speaking. <laughs> I always go back. <laughs> I hate to tell you, to say this. Some of you have not maybe not heard. To, uh, in the second grade, it put such a mark on me. I'm standing in line, just a little innocent Pentecostal second grader. And the teacher, she did not like me because my parents would not let me square dance. And she was a big square dancer, and everybody had to have their square dance. And I had to go stand in the corner while everybody practiced square dance. And lined up, lined up to go to lunch one day, she was looking down the hall, and some first graders were turning the lights off and on and she said to the teacher next to her look at those first graders turning the light and right as she said turning the lights off and on she turned to me and I thought she said turn the lights off and on so I walked over there and began to turn the lights off and on you can tell I'm still wounded over that It's not that I did not hear what she said. Amen. I just didn't hear it correctly. And many times that's what God's doing. He's trying to speak to our hearts, make adjustments. I'll tell you, with a minor adjustment, major things can happen in your life. Father, we thank you for tonight. Let your blessing be upon all. Gather us back in the morning at 1045. Thank you for our travels. We thank you, no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Those that will have to work tomorrow, thank you, Father, that they're protected and blessed. Let our fellowship be sweet. Be with those that are traveling tomorrow, Father, and gather us back tomorrow for two more wonderful service as you speak to our hearts and do that which needs to be done in our spirit, man. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to our Fall Harvest series. If you would like to find out more about Island Church located in Galveston, Texas, please make sure you visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.